Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2011, and this is episode 90. We are almost back to our normal time slot. We're about an hour off because of uh, busy schedules, but we're slowly getting there. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his super-secret location here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hi, everybody. Hello, Paul. Uh, How's it good going? Talking to you again. Yeah, it's good. It's been, what, three days? Two days. We, yeah, yeah. Two days. We're, we're kind of recording back to back here. Um, and in fact, as I speak, uh, the episode 89 is actually up on iTunes, but I haven't had a chance to update the site yet. So right. I think by the time I post this one, the site should be updated and uh, hopefully be working on getting the next one up in a couple days. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But you've been both here and there. You went up to Shenzhen. How was your trip? Yes, uh, I went up to Shenzhen for uh, a free movie trip uh, on Sunday to catch a couple of movies. Uh, mm-hmm. It was quite tiring, actually. I went up there at 9. I got there at 9 in the morning. I crossed the border at 9 in the morning, uh, 9 in the morning and didn't get back until like 7, and I watched three movies. Mm. In between, so uh, I actually detailed. I used uh, the, the my experience to write a new new blog entry about uh, the experience of movie going in China. A couple of things to watch out for, a uh, couple of things to to learn. Uh, hopefully, it will help some some experiences uh, going to movies in China. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean the movies were good in their own way, so uh, it was a good trip all in all. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you ever decide to go back into academia. I think you'd probably have a good topic to write on, talking about sort of cross-border consumption and, uh, you know, hopping back and forth and, uh, you know, the one country, two systems kind of idea. I think you're getting some pretty... I mean, it sounds like you're getting some good writing material for the blog, but it sounds like there'd be some equally interesting material there to really look at and and sit down and analyze a bit, too, you know, because not everybody can partake in that experience. I think it's it's an interesting dynamic from an academic sense. Um, I think... Uh, in the point of audience, as a movie, as a cinephile, it's interesting compared to two audiences and um, looking at, excuse me, the movies that that make money here, movies that make movie uh, that make money in China, and what relates to it's. It, there's a really really broad topic at work here. That's I think we can break down to several things, but I'm not sure who will be interested to know mm. about the dynamic of movie going between you just know, stuffy old academics like, like myself. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's all interesting to me. It's all interesting to, you know, I'm sure a few others, uh, and maybe even some people in the business, but um, but I have to, you know, narrow down on what to write because it's such a broad thing. You can write about audiences, you know, write about, you know, uh, the experience itself, which is the habit of movie going in China versus the movie going habit in Hong Kong. And yeah, I, it, it's a really big topic, <laughs> and I could go on and on about that, yeah. Well, we're not here to talk just about that. We're here to talk about movies and other things. What movies are we going to be talking about on this episode? Uh, on East Screen, we'll be talking about Legendary Amazons, the new film from Frankie Chan uh, starring Cecilia Chen. Uh, I'll be talking about the Chinese um, blockbuster, uh, Love is Not Blind, and I'll be going into a bit about uh, how people born after 1980 looks at romance or the end of romance so to speak uh for west screen uh again i only, i will be talking about the art house action film drive all right all that and more coming up after a little bit of news all right we actually have a couple news stories this week um not not a lot but a couple that uh that caught our eye this first bit of news um, p- piqued my attention just because of the person involved. Chinese actress Li Bingbing is to be honored as Female Star of the Year at the Sin Asia Convention in Hong Kong next month. Uh, that next month being December, as this article is written was coming from uh, November 16th from our favorite film business. Uh, film uh, can't talk today. 
<laughs> Our favorite film site, Film is Asia, uh, article from Patrick Frader. And it says, um, you know, it's, it's talking about some of the work that she's done recently. And um, a person named Robert H. Sunshine... That's an interesting name. Um, it says, Bing Bing is a wonderful actress who has delighted moviegoers not only in Asia, but internationally as well. Um, he is the managing director of the annual convention. The award is going to be presented as part of a gala final night banquet and awards ceremony on December 8th at the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Hong Kong. So quest my question to you is, Kevin, how come I'm not invited? It's Lee <laughs> Bing Bing. I should be there. Uh, no, the question is how come I'm not invited? You know, I I'm the news anyway. Okay, yeah. uh, the you know I'm more interested about that quote. I mean, uh, okay, wonderful actress. That's right. Lee Bing is a wonderful actress. Uh, I like her work, but you know the part about delighted movie moviegoers not only in Asia but internationally as well. I'm wondering how many people saw Snowflower and Secret Fan. Yeah, she <laughs> was know, in that, and she was in the uh, Jackie Chan Jet Li joint, right? Yeah, yeah, both both. Uh, wait, is that Forbidden Kingdom you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant like, because uh, I'm not sure if this event is honoring her body of work in general or her body of work in the past yeah. year. Because in the past year, she had one hit movie. That's Detective D. But meanwhile, Snowflower and Secret Fan and 1911 both are known to be flops. I think that they're giving her award because of her upcoming role in or in her role in the upcoming Resident Evil movie. Because it's, mm. she is the next Chinese actress to make it. Kind of to take that extra step abroad, um, in addition to Snowflower and Secret Fan, which actually got her on The View. Um, that that's the uh, talk oh, she show. was on The View, yeah, she was on the oh, view. I gotta dig that episode up. Oh, I guess I gotta send you this, uh, yeah, and it, because of that, she's crossing over to the West, and I think that they're trying to set her up as the next Zhang Ziyi or something like that, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, well, I guess if that's the case, I mean, that's good. Obviously, you have to she'll have to work on her English a little bit. But um, otherwise, you know, I would say I would rather Li Bingbing make it big uh, around the world than Zhang Ziyi. I mean, Zhang Ziyi is too too reminiscent of Gong Li for me. Hmm. Um, it's almost like too much like a Gong Li clone. Yeah. Uh, and Li Bingbing is a little more down to earth, a little more friendly, friendly, so to speak, a little more audience friendly, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see where, where Li Bingbing goes from here. Yeah, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, um, if a Bingbing is going to make it big... I'd much rather be the Lee than the Fan. So I think Fan Bingbing is too much reminiscent of Zhang Ziyi mm. as well. So yeah, I, I, I agree with, you, with that assessment. Uh, all right, so that's my bit of news. You got a bit of news to share with us this week, Kevin? Yes. Um, I'm talking about Chinese box office. Um, you know, with with uh, the plan of the Ace movie opening and uh, a Tintin and Rio Steel all opening in China. They're all getting their asses kicked by one little film called Love Is Not Blind. Uh, Love Is Not Blind is a film that's based on um, a Chinese uh, internet novel. I think it started out as a internet novel uh, called um, a Heartbreak for 33 Days. Uh, that's the kind of the literal translated title. Uh, it's about the uh, a woman, a, a professional urbanite woman who um, whose boyfriend is stolen by her best friend and essentially she takes 33 days to get over her heartbreak. Uh, the film has taken 100, I think now at 280 million yuan in 13 days. That's already beating, uh, beating Shaolin. That's one of the highest grossing Chinese language films of the year. And it's right now it's taking aim at the 416 million uh, take that uh, beginning of Great Revival took. And it's, it's a mega hit. Uh, considering that it only cost 9 million yuan to make, this is an amazing achievement. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, the film opened uh, only a couple of days before November 11th, uh, which if you put together in numeric terms, that's 111111. Uh, in China, that one November 11th is called Singles Day because of the um, the four sticks in the numerical so it kind of indicate you know it's about singles people um so so not you have a movie about you know heartbroken urbanite opening on singles day so that's guaranteed to be a hit also uh the film is made by um tan hua tao uh a, a film director who who's actually made two um very topical television dramas uh one is called drawling narrowness uh it's about uh uh, urban professional, um, not even professional, but urbanites trying to make money to buy 
houses in uh, was that the very famous area. one about yes. um yeah about uh, buying a buying a flat buying a house. yeah buying a flat and, and also um, uh, depicting corrupt officials yeah it's, uh, it's been, it was... i've heard there's been a bit of controversy about that one too because of some of the content Yes, because of the, the corrupted, uh, especially because of the corrupted official storyline, because the main character has an affair with a corrupted official. So the, the show, uh, the drama was actually, uh, the broadcasting was cut in the middle of the airing and then it was edited and then re-aired, I think. It, it, I think they cut, they cut two episodes, but it was a big, um, big uh, topic of interest among uh, uh, Chinese youth. And then he also made um, uh, a drama called Naked Wedding, uh, which is about uh, people in the twenties uh, getting married without any 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 frills, so no house, no cars, no um, no money, and just getting married for the sake of love, and about the the complication that comes with that kind those kind of marriages. Uh, both of them starred uh, Wen Zhang, who played most famously, I guess, uh, Jet Li's son in uh, Autistic Son in Ocean Heaven. Uh, he is also starring this film, um, and so that team, I guess, also attracted a lot of film goers and. 30 is just a good film. I saw the film over the weekend and it's a good film. So, um, but it's, it, you know, it, it was poised to do well enough to make money, but I don't think anyone expected to do that well. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'll talk about the film itself later on, but I think uh, this kind of tells you this uh, again, it kind of continues the trend of uh, what demographic to target commercial Chinese films on. I mean, like just like mysterious Island uh, ma- making, you know, 90 million, uh, just based on fans of Minnie Yang, young fans of Minnie Yang going to the film. And now Love is Not Blind, making money from, you know, uh, uh, 20-somethings that, you know, urbanite who can connect to this type of topic. Uh, it's it's showing a trend that, you know, big-budget martial arts epic aren't cutting it anymore for Chinese commercial audiences. Uh, we're beginning to see who is really spending the money at the box office and who is who is really going to who are really going to the cinemas uh and i think its success and also mysterious island's success um is going to slowly change the face of commercial chinese cinema just bit by bit i think okay so our first east screen film for this week is the i guess it's a co-production a mixed production between china and hong kong uh, Legendary Amazons, uh, again, coming from director Frankie Chung, is that right? Frankie Chang, yes, Frankie Chan, who yeah. uh, directed IQ the Debts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this film stars Cecilia Chung uh, as uh, Mui Kei Ying, a young um, bride of a very fierce general, uh, a Yang general, who's played by Richie Ren, uh, Yang Chung Po, uh, and... Brings back the the fa- very famous actress uh, Chang Pei Pei in in a pretty large role uh, as sort of the Yang family matron, um, and is that uh, is that Wang Yu? Is that right? Um, who was the son? Uh, no, I, I'm not sure about the name, but it's a young young new actor, so yeah. it's not anyone that we we were. I, I I wasn't sure um, um who it was, but uh, we'll try and look. At, I couldn't find any entry on. Uh, on Asian Media Wiki, and usually they're pretty good about having the new stuff up. I'll look it um, up on my uh, uh, Film Business Asia. Thing. But basically, this is um, this is a remake of a film, uh, the the cl- a classic Shaw Brothers film called The Fourteen Amazons, which was made in 1972, and so thus the title here, Legendary Amazons. Um, it's based on so these uh, semi-historical classics or these semi-historical stories. Uh, of the Yang clan, which was an actual clan during the Song dynasty, and some of the battles that they had uh, against the Western Xia nation um, during the period. Now, these films, even though they're derived from this literature that's semi-historical, it's kind of like when you watch Mulan. Um, There's a lot here that's really just, you know, liberated license, and making a lot of stuff up and and the 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 history that's there is very just very very loosely based um but that being said this particular story is basically the story of the yang clan women after years of war against western sha all the men have pretty much gone off and and been killed in battle um and all that remains are you know the, the the wives um who are Marshally, you know, marshally trained themselves. They're um, they're not simply housewives, 
and they decide to band together when the the last patron of the household, uh, General Young, is believed to be killed. Um, they decide that they're going to go and and basically get revenge. Um, they coordinate with a local minister who's somewhat corrupt, but they're able they're able to um, convince him to give 10,000 troops to their cause, uh, even though they feel it'll be a lost cause because they're going up against 100,000 uh, Western Shah soldiers. And that sort of sets the basis of the story. Um, now, General Yang has a son, uh, Yang Wenquan, or Yang Wenquan, and the son here, I, I mean, he looked like he was 20 or something, um, but he's supposed to be a lot younger, as as I as I sort of understand it from. He's supposed to be like a like a teenager. Yeah, I think. he's supposed to be yeah. like a, a young kid, a teenager. Um, he didn't really look at look that way here. Um, but basically, he goes off, and he because he's a male, he's given the charge. He's the last male of the Yang clan. He's given charge of of the troops and the leadership. But he's he's a good fighter, but he's inexperienced, and uh, you know he is supposed to look to the guidance of the matron, the, the, the old lady played by Chung Pei Pei, and, and his mother, who's played by Cecilia. Now, there's, you know, supp supposedly 14 women in total that, that make up uh, these famous women. And they've all got different names. Um, I, I lost track of who was who. <laughs> and they all look about the same age. But some of them are the grandmother of the, the the boy some are the ones the sister others are like the other mothers by concubine it's just really confusing and i think part of it is the subtitles um i think they might have just done some bad subtitling here but the relationships are very very confusing you never really figure it out and it's really surprising because they don't have this problem in the original in the original um they have people playing the appropriate ages um, pretty much, with one exception, and that is in the original 14 Amazons, um, the, the character of the son, Yang Wen Kwan, is actually played by a woman, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I know it's, it's quite common if you watch, um, traditional Cantonese opera or traditional Chinese opera for women to play male roles, but in this case, it wasn't like Bridget Lin playing a male character, this was just very obviously a woman trying to act like a little boy, um, and they didn't even bother to like wrap her chest at all. Um, so it, it's kind of funny to watch it, but you you can suspend your disbelief for a little for a little while in the original. Um, but this one, the, this remake, um, you know, you'd think, what is it, uh, thirty years later? Um, no, no, for, almost forty years later. You'd think it would be better, right? You'd think they'd say. <laughs> Hey, you know we've got four decades of things like special effects and movie techniques and 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 martial arts techniques over the Shaw Studio. We're gonna make a better film, and they totally didn't. Um, I mean, it's just so bad it's not even funny. And the, the whole time you're just, uh, I'm I'm sitting in a theater and thinking to myself, wow, this is just really really bad. I mean, oh my gosh. Does that suck? I mean, that's what I was thinking <laughs> the whole time. Um, there was nothing, almost nothing redeemable about this film. And I was very excited to see Cheng Pei Pei on the screen. I've said it before, I'm not a big fan of Cecilia. Richie Ren is okay. Um, but the rest of the cast, they just stand around kind of looking pretty. They're, they set them up, it's set up like a video game. right? I mean, they introduce each of these characters, each of the women in the family, and they've each got a specialty. Like, one's double daggers, one's good with a bow, um, another's uh, good with a broadsword, another's good with a staff. Um, there's this group that decides that they're all going to shave their heads at one point, um, and they look like the Marine Corps. Uh, That's at, the only way you can tell them apart, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but no, head. you couldn't, because, you know, there were some scenes where people were dying and I thought it was me at first. I was like, wait a minute, didn't she already die? But then I could hear other people saying the same thing in, in the theater. You know, it's like, it was just really confusing. You couldn't keep track of who of who was who. Um, the original kind of has that problem a little bit, but in the original, they never really make distinctions by weapons. In the original, they're just women 
who decide they're going to take up roles as soldiers. It's, it's really like, you know, sort of the Mulan myth. They said, you know, our husbands are all dead. There's nobody left in the family. We want revenge. We're going to go out and we're going to do it ourselves. And they didn't even get troops from the government in the original. They It was just like their own core family and the, the guards and everybody they had in their family, they went out to fight. Um, so the original kind of makes a little bit more sense in, in the way it's presented and, and, and some of the characterizations. Um, here, too, the costuming. I mean, I would, I, you would think that, again, 40 years later, better costumes, better production value. No. It looked like they went and borrowed the same batch of stuff out of the Shaw studio. And some of it actually looked worse. Um, you know, some of the, like, some of the shields and, and the armor that Richie has, it looks like just plastic crap that you'd see in a in an Ultraman movie. Um, it just didn't look realistic at all. It was. It, I had to wonder at some point, you know, during the filming, did Cecilia or Richie just suddenly like turn to each other and say, "Oh my God, what are we doing?" Because <laughs> um, they had to be seeing dailies of this stuff, and it and some of it just didn't look good at all. Um, now that being said, some of the action is actually passable. Um, you know, because it is sort of modern style action. It's not following the Shaw style action, although they do play with the camera a little bit in, in some ways. And I think they're trying to be sort of reminiscent of Shaw style. Um, but some of the action is okay. Some of the action is, is not working though. I mean, sometimes it's so obvious that somebody's connected to a wire. Um, there are a couple shots where it, there are two or three seconds of the, the, the actors like frozen and then they start moving um, to where it's like you could just almost hear the director saying action and then people just start going suddenly um, mm -hmm. so it's just so bad I couldn't, it was it was beyond expectations bad um, the remade points that are here I mean there are a couple from from the story there are a couple of classic moments and they remade those here not that engaging, not as exciting. Um, there's a human bridge concept, and the way they do it here is almost as unplausible as they did in the original. The way they did it in the original was kind of funny and, and a lot more fun uh, than what they did here. And, and that and they made poor Champagne go first. Yeah. <laughs> it was just because the idea of the human bridge is that okay, the soldiers lie down, they form a human bridge, and then. <laughs> And Jeremy Pei, who who I gotta repeat the joke because I know you're, who who literally in moments look like Jabba the Hutt, yeah. is walking. <laughs> she sort of has to go first. Yeah, well, and, and you know, in the original, I can't remember um, uh, who the uh, who the actress was. The, the original had some pretty big actresses. Had Ivy Ling Po, uh, who was in um, in Cecilia Chung's playing Cecilia Chung's character, and Lily Ho was the son. Um, and, and, um, um, people like Betty Ting had some cameos and, and if you know some of the classic actresses, um, there's a bunch to recognize there. Chen Pei was also in the original, right? No, she wasn't. Oh. No. Uh, oh, she played in the TV series. Okay. Did, oh, did she? Yeah, yeah, she played the, she played, she was in one of the, the, the versions of the story before. Yeah. yeah but not, um, not the 14 Amazons. Yeah. But Paul Chun, you know, if, from uh, lots of Hong Kong films, usually a bad guy in Hong Kong films. Uh, he was in this very young, and and I in the original, and I was like, oh, is is that is that him? And is it's like I looked at the credits and he was like, sure enough, I mean he had hair, um, a lot more than he has now. Um, but yeah, it's the, the the remake is just so so bad. Um, and considering that the original is kind of a classic in many ways, begs the question: Did it need to be remade? I mean, forty years later. I think is a good argument for doing a remake. I mean, we're getting a new Spider-Man uh, next year, and what's it, not even been 10 years? Um, and some people are saying we don't really need a new, you know, retelling of Spider-Man. I think that the material here was great for a remake, but this was just done um, so very badly. Uh, again, please stop with the horse torture. Um, trip wires with lots of horses, horses doing, you know, face plants into the ground. Uh, the, I'm sure it doesn't feel good. The, so you didn't believe in the disclaimer? No, it didn't. The there's the a disclaimer at the end that no animals were harmed during this filming. Don't Which is the it. first film I've seen, I think, yeah. in a long time. That Don't had believe it. Um, the villain, the bad guy, the 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 the, the evil general, very typical villain. You know, you, you exp he throws back his head at a few points and laughs. You know, ha ha ha. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, it's just uh, just bad. I mean, Kevin, did you like it at all more than I did? I laughed very hard at this movie. Um, okay, <laughs> I, I, the problem is that it's not it's not comedy. That's the problem. But I laughed very very hard at this movie. I had a good time, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, this movie cost sixteen million dollars U.S. to make. Um, there's Cecilia Chun took a ton of money. Um, there was supposed to be her comeback worthy movie. This is supposed to be yeah. This is supposed to be a big comeback movie, but I'm afraid her real comeback is gonna have to wait after this because one, um, her her two last two movies, including this one, have been disastrously disastrous, uh, terrible, and made no money. So well, one uh, of the problems that she had was she was dubbed and she didn't do her own dubbing. Yeah, she didn't do her own dubbing in Cantonese. Actually, there were a lot of negative press about the making of this film and also another film called um, Sorry, I Love You, which was shot uh, just up during her divorce uh, with Nicholas Say. So um, there was a lot of problems with the shooting of this film and her following film, you know, talk about diva-ish behavior or, or be missing in action and things like that. And yeah, it, it's um, both the negative press and the bad the qualities of the films are not going to help her come back, I'm afraid. I think it just feels like she's taking the money, as much money as she can before, you know. I hate to be, you know, cynical about, you know, her real life, but it just seems like she was taking as much money as she can before, you know, she she can get out again or before she gets her divorce. But anyway, um, looking at a normal film, it is a total failure. Um, the direction is unevolving. The, te- the pacing is terrible. Uh, the writing is is atrocious. I think we have a couple of subtitle the year candidates already, and even the Chinese lines were bad. Um, essentially, it's a laughable disaster. That is the cinematic equivalent of Hurricane Katrina. Um, first of all, how many grandmas are there in this movie? That's um, too many. Uh, yeah, too apparently many. The, the 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 a lot of the Amazons are. Because uh, you have the the young guy who's calling most of the women in this movie grandma, and you have Kathy Chow, you know, who maybe looks about in her forties. I think I'm, uh, I'm about if I say Kathy Chow is in her forties, but she's being called grandma. And I'm like, what? and I remember uh, one of the people in my movie group joking that <laughs> he would like that she's a a G milf, <laughs> a G yeah, a gilf, a, a gilf, I guess, a gif milf, gimilf, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's how many how young the grandmas look in this movie, and Cecilia looks even younger than uh, the, yeah Cecilia looks younger than her son, which is really strange. Uh, a lot of weird casting in this film. Um, the I think mean, Frankie Chan is still stuck in the '90s, so he's kind of still in a mode of making a '90s movie. Except that you know, unlike even the remake of a Chinese ghost story, it's not really a throwback per se. It's just made like a 90s film so it's like really outdated filming technique um there's a lot of under cranking in the film which means uh, a lot of the footage is sped up i think i would say at least 30 percent of the shots are sped up um which tells me you know there's a real desperate attempt to to rescue the film in the editing room um there's a lot of battle scenes in the film uh almost one every five minutes you know the old hong kong action formula is a small action scene every what five ten minutes and then a big one every 30 minutes it's almost like this here except you know it becomes a really redundant bore because there's so many fighting here just stop yeah. well, caring. I mean, and another thing to point out too if you watch the original the original has battle scenes mm-hmm. and it has tons of extras mm-hmm. i mean they really in the old days they had no choice right they they just paid cheap extras to go out dress up in uniform on a field right and and they just start filming yeah. Um, but here, I mean, I think it was in the in the final battle, um, or maybe the battle before the final battle, they were using like a blue screen. Oh and yeah, because yeah, because like yeah, in the back there's people fighting, but it's, it's blue screen. Yeah, yeah. It was just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always like yeah, there's no scale to the to the action to the battles here. It's always like you know, fifty people taking on fifty people, but you know, it's supposed to be like this huge grand battle where you know you, you literally have like thousands of people you know it's you could tell that even on a 60 million dollar budget they had you know either either frankie chen didn't know how to put together a battle scene or he was too focused on the action choreography itself because you know at the end of the film during the credits you know like most jackie chen productions including this one this was also a jackie chen production um there's a, a um a outtake in during the credits 
Uh, and it shows that these people really put in the effort, you know, blowing sand and, and people on wire flying all over the place and people getting injured. And look, they really work their asses off on the choreography. But the thing is, it doesn't translate. They didn't know how to shoot it. Yeah, they didn't know how to shoot a battle. They knew how to shoot action, but they didn't know how to shoot a, a, a battle. And they didn't know how to pace the film properly. So it's just really redundant. Um but you know, fans of bad movies who might have a good time. Um, I had a really good time, uh, essentially talking back to the film, doing our dynasty thing. Um, but you know, as far as looking at in the context of a normal film, it's a terrible, terrible film. Um, I couldn't wait for it to end. Um, but exactly one set piece worked, and the only line and the only way I would explain it is "great balls of fire." My God, <laughs> I was surprised because it, essentially they're in this cave and. Um, well, they get they get driven into a cave by the bad guys, and the bad guys um, flush them out by essentially rolling down balls of fire, balls huge of flame, balls of fire, huge balls of fire. And I was impressed that they used real balls of fire. Yeah. Um, and that was the really only thing that worked for me because then it was followed by the human bridge, and then you had Jabba the Hutt crossing the human bridge, which forget it, it, was, it just you know it didn't work at all. Um, <laughs> As I tweeted, and I was, I was such, it was such a disaster. I, I took out my phone, turned down the brightness, and just started tweeting. I used the hashtag live from, live from the dynasty because it was so bad that I had to, had to express how disastrous the film was. And one of my tweets, I said, this film was such a disaster that Anderson Cooper needs to cover every single screening because <laughs> it is that big of a disaster. <laughs> it is CNN-worthy disaster. Um, it is un, it is unimaginable. I think there's it's like a national crisis <laughs> disaster. It was terrible. Um, so I would say skip it unless you're morbidly curious, uh, I guess like we were, uh, to see how bad the film was. Um, yeah, I mean, if you... You know, if you feel like you know hurting yourself or you're committing, thinking about committing suicide, I think this might drive you further. So, careful, careful when you watch legendary Amazons. Yeah, um, yeah I've got to agree. Unfortunately, I'd say definitely see the classic. Um, it's readily available on many sites, including Yes Asia. Thank you. Um, there's a the, Yes Asia has the original Shaw Brothers. Amazon has one a little bit cheaper, but I don't think it's the Shaw Brothers release. I think it's a a different company releasing it. Uh, because it's got a different cover listed but you know it's it's readily available it's it's just classic 1970s kung fu if you like that kind of stuff i think it's one of the better movies that was made of the era um and the only way i would recommend watching legendary amazons is as a double feature with the 14 amazons watch that one first and then you can have a nice laugh with the uh, with watching uh, Legendary Amazons afterwards. <laughs> As a double feature of Virtual Recall is also recommended. <laughs> well, Virtual Recall with anything. is. Yeah. We'll, we'll get more on. We'll, we'll talk more on that later. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'd say flee it. It is just not really worth the time, the effort, or the money. Um, but we did get a couple of good things out of it, including a subtitle of the week. What? 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 Huh? This week in subtitles. Yeah, so at a scene a little bit later in the film, I don't want to reveal any um, overt spoilers, but there's a couple of people who are passing away, and I believe they say to each other, um, if I have the line correct, let's have a good get-together in heaven. So, <laughs> the exact line is, they will have a good get-together. Yeah, okay, there it was, it was somebody else talking. They'll have a good get-together in heaven so i have one as well actually okay what, what's yours uh there's one because um the the yang jung bao um the i guess the love souvenir i guess between yang jung bao played by richie Yuan and um what's her name um mui kaying uh, mui, mui kaying played yeah. by cecilia is a lock of uh cecilia's hair so to assure mui kaying that you know his heart is with her he will take out the lock of hair and say where i am here is your hair <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was. A I classic. got used to on a girl. Where I am, he was here. <laughs> that was a classic. And Paul, of course, you know, how did he get it? <laughs> he stuck a spear at her head, and he <laughs> cut it off. You know, um, but then he feels he needs to keep it with her always. Yeah, it's that's cla- kinky stuff. Classic love story. Spear yeah. fight. Then they get married. Um, all right. So yeah, that's legendary Amazons. Bad stuff. But if you like bad stuff, it's good stuff. 
So we're going to move on to another East Screen film, um, and this is the one you saw in Shenzhen, right? Love is Not Blind? That's right. Uh, as I mentioned before, this is the romantic... I, I, can't, I, dare, I don't dare to say romantic comedy. So this is the comedy uh, that's been, you know, packing Chinese cinemas. Um, as I mentioned before, the film is by Tang Hua Tao, uh, who actually f- um, was a film director before he made The Matrimony. Was that starring... Was that Leon? Leon Lai, I think? Maybe, um, but that was I guess that's his that's his most uh, notable effort as a director, the Matrimony. Um, but he also directed two TV dramas, um, and here he's working with Wen Zhang for the third time. Uh, but the star is actually um, Bai Bai He, who was who actually also played uh, romance with Wen Zhang in the ensemble film, um, I think Laws of Attraction uh, mm. last year. Um, here, Bye Bye He stars as Huan Shao Xian, uh, a 20-something urbanite who works for a wedding planning company in Beijing. Um, she essentially catches her fiancé with her best friend, and obviously they break up. And so the film, the rest of the film is about her trying to get over uh, this breakup. Um, with the help of her office office uh, adversary, uh, Wan Di Yang, played by Wen Jiang. Um, now, the... if if I can just jump in, because when you mentioned the, you know, the basic plot before when we were talking news, the one thing that stuck out in my mind was Sophie's Revenge. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's kind of the same plot, right? It's a boy, girl loses boy to another girl and decides, you know, uh, I've got to do something about it. A little bit, but actually. Not quite. Actually, it's also um, from the same company that 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 produced uh, Sophie's Revenge. But you know, it's actually a little different because Sophie's Revenge. There's a, a clear motivation that you know the character wants revenge, obviously against her boyfriend. Here, the the film is a lot more internal. It's about how she gets over the breakup. Um, it it really captures the idea because in the age of microblogging and you know. Um, the young people of China, you know, as much as they should, they don't really care about politics. Uh, a lot of them care about, you know, of course, th- their their daily day to day life. Um, you know, trying to buy a house, trying to find a job. Um, but of course, they care about their boyfriends or girlfriends. So, this this idea of um, in Mandarin Xilan or Sutlun uh, in in Cantonese, it's it's kind of it's an experience that all young people go through. You know, when you when you lose lose when you break up when you get out of a relationship, the heartbreak you experience. That is actually a word that you know doesn't really quite translate to English, but literally it translates to the word um, uh, uh, love loss. I guess love dash loss. You know, it's mm-hmm. like blood loss, but love loss. Um, so it, it it tries to essentially put that experience onto the big screen. So the conflict is really internal. The the struggle is really internal. It's about how she gets over uh this this heartbreak uh so in essentially it's like a sequel to 500 days of summer you know it's about how to how the girl gets over getting dumped um but of course since the 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 chinese title um uh directly translates as a a heartbreak for 33 days you can already tell that the sequel is going to be called rebound because i mean who gets over a relationship in 33 days (laughs) only a rebound can can help you get over that um it, it starts off with a montage that's showing types of breakups. Um, so it tells you how hard it wants to relate to young people. You know, it shows like uh, there are types of breakup where, you know, uh, they're really peaceful, you know, shaking hands and you walk off. Or there's one where uh, really that that's really um, emotionally driven, you know, with women throwing stuff at the guy. So it, know, it knows that it wants to make people relate to it. Um, so it, it exactly know what demographic is aiming for. Um even though the the star of the film is Bye Bye Her and and you know it's about her character, I think the the real star of the film is Wen Jiang, who plays the the office adversary. Um, essentially, he is actually not a romantic lead in the film. Essentially, he plays like a metrosexual, infeminate uh, guy who may or may not be gay. So the film is about actually her finding not a new love, but rather a new gay best friend. Hmm. That's really what the film is about, which is which is a really refreshing twist from the usual uh, film of this similar nature. Because usually, you know, you get over you know heartbreak of a new love, but here it's a little more, little more realistic. It's just finding something as simple as finding a shoulder to cry on. So I was quite surprised that it's not really a romance. But of course, that that's where the problem is because the conflict is so internal that when the film is back on that track about her getting over herself or getting over 
that heartbreak is a little more in, is a little too internal. The film kind of drags when it goes there. The film runs 110 minutes, and I feel it's too long because it spends so much time on that you know internal. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm so sad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and since Chen Hua Tao is a is a actually more successful as a TV director, and um, his last two most successful works are TV dramas. The film is paced a little bit like a TV drama. It's sometimes written like a TV drama. Uh, a lot of dialogue, a lot of internal monologue, um, a lot of um, <clears throat> essentially scenes of people talking to each other. So it's sometimes paced a little slow. Um, and there's even like a 15-minute digression in the third act that you know suddenly brings brings a kind of a subplot about... Um, an elderly client of the of the of the uh, the wedding company, uh, and about you know there's some kind of lesson about infidelity that kind of turns into tearjerker, and that kind of dragged the film a little too long. But actually, the film is really about the some of the really sharp dialogue, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of verbal humor, and there's a chemistry between um, the Bye Bye Hook character and Wen Zhang. Um, they have a kind of an odd couple thing going that really makes it worth watching because they really have good chemistry and. Just the fact that they most of the film they have this odd couple kind of enemy but friend things going, and uh, you know it's really funny to watch. Um, the print I watched was subtitled in English, but um, it did, almost didn't translate the humor at all because um, lots of the humor is verbal, not only verbal but actually Mandarin specific. But not only Mandarin specific, but actually hip Mandarin slang specific. Mm. Um, so so it was a very it's a. It, you know, I don't. I, I feel for the subtitle person, um, and it's actually a very difficult film to subtitle. But even you know, you have a normal line like, um, you have lines like, "Manager Wong, I'm dumped." <laughs> That's only a subtitle, and the manager says, "So you're dumped? Who cares?" And yeah, so obviously the the, the even though it's English subtitle, it doesn't translate the film very well. I would have subtitled it very differently, and so sadly, I don't think if this is the set of subtitles they'd be using for any overseas print, I think overseas audience won't be able to see why this film is such a hit. Um, but actually, it does capture this pain of breaking up very well. I can relate to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the attitude um, of people born p- past 1980s, so people, essentially people in their, in their 20s now, um, their attitude towards um, breakup and, and relationship in the age of, you know, we're microblogging. It becomes every... All the life lessons and wisdoms are are condensed into a a, a, a quote that you can fit into a, a, a Twitter post or Weibo post, 140 character post. It just captivate. It very much captures that very well because the whole film's lesson is that there's nothing sad about a breakup because it's it could be a step to to eternal happiness because it means it's the step to your to finding your true love. Mm-hmm. So um, just that quote itself, you know, that you can fit that into a Twitter, you can fit that into a Weibo post. So it knows what it's doing very zen yeah it's very zenish well is this the is um is this film going for maybe a younger audience than say sophie's revenge or other urban comedies like go lala go i think go lala go is a little more yeah skew a little older um towards professionals um you know people working in offices Mm. um sophie's revenge i think is a little more broad because it cover is trying to cover you know younger and 20s uh up to even 30s and 40s because you got real pretty, you know, you got, you know, the 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 the, the whole urbanite, the the lush uh, life of an urbanite. Uh, it's really polished, and I think it goes a little broader. This one um, aims squarely almost at a 20s audience. Mm. I'm not sure how it's going to travel across different demographic, but I think this movie will cap out at people over 35. <laughs> Actually, when Zhang's character, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned that. It's alluded to the fact that he could be gay. He's metrosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking back to, uh, what was the film earlier this year? Mr. and Mrs. Single. Right. Which has a character that is alluded to be gay, too. And the I don't want to spoil that one, but there's a somewhat satisfactory end result, at least according to sort of the official line with regard to, you know, sexual preference and people in, in mainland China. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, it, was it intentionally obscure because it's still not accepted? Um, the thing is, the director said clearly that he's not gay. I mean, I think he's just trying to follow the official line. Obviously, you can't, you can't have openly gay people 
in Chinese films. So I think that's one reason why they were kind of they're kind of ambiguous about it. And and the director said he even told Wen Zhang to not go too far as to show the character as gay because he's actually not gay. But I think that the director was trying just trying to skirt um, censorship. I think if you ask me, I think it's about finding new gay best friend. Um, and I think he is gay. Um, and the fact that um, they kind of went, it's not really a spoiler because the ending is kind of open anyway. Um, the fact that they try to drive it really last minute towards romance, a little bit of hint of romance, it's kind of a cop out. But of course they can't because it's supposed to be a, 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 a officially approved film. You know, so they can't really go too far into sexuality-wise. Talk about sexuality, so they only do it through um, his 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 physical physical behavior. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting to see how they try to skirt, you know, try to skirt censorship, you know, but without you know trying to portray gay characters, but especially a gay hero even here. He's a gay. He's essentially the hero of the piece. Um, trying but it, to at the same time. It- at least from some of what you've explained, he's kind of a stereotype. A little bit, because you know he has the whole thing with the lip balm, and he is actually a more he is more attuned to fashion than than mm-hmm. the than Huan Shaoxian, the the main character. So yeah, I, I, there are, uh, there's some stereotype, but I wouldn't say they negative they portray him negatively because he is effeminate or because he is gay, because he is still essentially the wiser character mm-hmm. of the piece. He is the one that essentially wakes the main character up, so he is still. The hero of the piece, so I think there's a little progressive in terms of portraying gay characters, uh, or at least you know, effeminate characters in Chinese or, uh, cinema. One step closer to queer eye for the China guy. Yeah, perhaps yeah. so. Perhaps so. I would say, I was just this is more progressive than the film appears than than what it appears to be. Uh, now that you know, I'm thinking about it a little more in retrospect. Uh, so it's actually quite an interesting film. Just to so you know, my final rating would be you know, even with the bad subtitles. Um, see it because you have to be hip you know with Chinese you you want to know what's hip in China you should watch this film um, and I want to talk a little slightly more about the the promotion because I didn't I didn't kind of I kind of skipped over it in the beginning of the film uh, beginning of the review it's the promotion of the film so uh, in addition to the you know the 11 11 opening and and um, selling the team um, they also before the, the actual trailer of the film came out they also did a promo which I linked in the nook, so Paul will put it up later on the page. Um, they, they, they did a promo traveling across different cities in China, doing interviews with real people about their broken relationships, about their past relationships. And of course, they mixed in uh, footage of the characters from the film talking about what they think about, you know, um, the end of relationships. So it's a very, so watch the promo if you can, uh, especially if you understand Chinese. Uh, see, because this this advertising, this kind of promotion, kind of marketing, really impressed me. How they managed to mix the real and the and the fiction into this this package that is you know this this rom com. So um yeah, it's a it's a better film than I expected to be, and uh, I recommend it. Hmm. All right. When are we gonna get it? I'm not sure about Hong Kong. It's, I think it's it's these stars and the, the 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 topic and the way they handle the topic is too China centric. I don't think it's gonna relate to Hong Kong people. But like I tweeted, I hope that Patrick Kong and and Joe Ma and romantic comedy directors in Hong Kong watch this and actually try to think about where they went wrong, why they can't make a movie. Because this movie, you know, you could you could really translate to a Hong Kong audience in some way. Now, Kevin, let's be honest. Okay, it's not. Joe Ma, it's not Patrick Kong, it's not even Wong Jing that needs to really do some deep thinking. It's Jingle Ma. <laughs> Forget it. I think I think Jingle Ma is beyond rescue. I'm sorry, Jingle Ma is beyond rescue. I think Joe Ma still has some hope if he comes back to Hong Kong. Patrick Kong, if he if he start stops being, you know, so cynical about love, even he might have a chance. So I think I hope they, you know, Hong Kong director watch this film and wonder why they can't make something that relates to their young audience. Well, I'll be well. in. I'll be interested, and, and I hope it does come to Hong Kong because I'll be interested to see how the local young people, you know, take to it, or if they take yeah. to it or not, if it speaks yeah. to them or not. Yeah, definitely. East Green, West Green. All right, so we've only got one West Green film this week because I have to apologize. I was planning to go out to see. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Immortals, right? And uh, 
I just didn't have the time and and I I kind of didn't have the motivation. I had a, a small window of opportunity to go out and watch it, but I forgot my 3D glasses. <laughs> and I said, "You know, I just don't feel like buying another pair of 3D glasses. I the seeing the movie is not that important to me." So I think that says something about the movie. And tied into that point, too, was you had mentioned on the last show that um, the version we have is cut. Right. Um, and so that kind of, you know, pushed me in the I'm not going to watch it corner a little bit further. Um, so I'm interested to see it. I don't really want to see a cut version. And I certainly didn't want to see a 3D version where I have to buy my 3D glasses all over <clears> again. <throat> so I do apologize um, to the listeners out there. I've, I've been lax, been a little bit lazy. Um, but things have been busy, but I promise to get back on my game very, very soon. But Kevin's been diligent. He's been out watching lots of stuff, and he watched Drive, and so he's going to tell us a little bit about Drive. Yep, uh, I will. <laughs> uh, this this uh, action, so-called action film, is um, directed by a European director, I believe, uh, named uh, Nicholas Winding Rafe. Um the one best director at this year's Cannes Film Festival with this film. Uh, the film stars Ryan Gosling as a, as a driver whose name is never revealed. Uh, in the day, he's a stunt driver for the movies. Uh, and at night, he's actually a wheelman for criminals. Now, is uh, it, it, are they very clever with that? Because, I mean, some films aren't clever with having an unnamed character. And some films are. Um I, I, I'll, the one that comes to my mind is uh, My Sassy Girl, mm-hmm. where, you know, they somehow get around never, ever saying the name of the girl. And you don't really realize you don't know what her name is until the end of the movie. But other movies, it's sort of more just blatant and jarring because they haven't really worked it into the script that well. I mean, what do they, what, when, when people address this guy, what do they call him? Dude? Um, no, actually, the, the, the issue um, doesn't come up for most of the film. I didn't realize until at least over halfway into the film that mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling's character didn't have a name. It was just, I think the movie has been so, it's so sparse in dialogue mm-hmm. that you don't even notice that this guy didn't have a name. Um, so in a way, that is smart. That is a good use of, I guess, its, its sparse, uh, dry style in that it, it's so stylized that you don't even notice that know that that character's name hasn't been mentioned um but yeah he he plays ryan gosling plays this guy who actually no one ever yeah that is true no one ever even calls him a driver they just say yeah this guy this kid this whatever um so like i said by day he's a he's a he's a stunt driver for movies and now he's a wheel man for criminals um and he's a really good driver apparently um uh and um he gets he starts falling in love with his neighbor Irene, played by Carrie Mulligan, uh, she's a single mother, uh, I guess. Her her husband's her husband uh, Standard is in jail, so um, but I guess a couple of circumstances kind of drive them together. I'm sorry, I used that pun. Try <laughs> <laughs> brings them together, and they kind of fall in love. But then, of course, Irene's uh, husband comes out of jail, uh, gets out of jail, uh, but he's not your typical, you know, uh, hopeless ex-con. He actually wants to be a better man he wants to be a better husband he wants to be a better father he wants to be a good man but he is drawn back into the crime world because some people that he he owes money to in prison um wants their money back so um he's being dragged into a a, a robbery uh for some really shady character so to to essentially for irene and and her son the driver decides to help standard out by being the wheelman on that heist but of course uh, as Kozo, a uh, love HK film would say, it all goes to hell mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of blood. There's a lot of violence. And, you know, he has the driver now has to find his way to uh, make sure Irene stays safe. And so that's the, the, that, that part of it makes sense. But did they ever really address why he, if he's such a great driver and, and, and he's a successful, you know, got a successful career as a stunt driver, why he takes gigs at you know, illegal gigs at night? Is he just, you know, addicted to the money or is the work in the daytime too sparse or do they ever really, you know, kind of get into that angle? You know, I think just like the entire movie itself, I think it's too cool 
for logic. Yeah, they never explain why he takes on this job. I think it's just because he can. Or they do mention that um, the garage he works for, um, play, uh, or and the and the guy who owns it, Shannon, played by Brian Cranston, um, he has a lot of bad luck and he he doesn't make much money. Uh, he 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 wants to get into the racing business with the help of um, a mob character played by Albert, Albert Brooks. Um, so I guess there's not much money in his day job. Uh, mm-hmm. He works in a garage. He also does the move while doing the movie stunt thing. And I guess, but they never explain that well, why he needs the money or whether he needs the money or not, or whether he's just addicted to the driving or whatever. Yeah, they never explain why. But I think the movie is too cool for it. Um, it's an artsy action film. Um, it's a lot of style. It's the whole movie is about being cool. You have this the, this '80s retro um, soundtrack, uh, techno soundtrack. Um, and you have, you know, Gosling, Ryan Gosling, kind of playing a cool, uh, very stoned face performance, but, you know, the activist eyes, essentially. Uh, very cool character. Uh, you also have the, 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 you know, extreme violence, the sudden burst of violence coming out. So it's all very cool, very, um, the style is very intentional. Um, so, you know, you don't really think about logic so much in that way, but once you bring it up, you're right. Um, there's very little motivation except for the main motivation, which is for um, the driver to protect uh, 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 the Carrie Mulligan character and, and her son. That's the main motivation of the entire film. Um, it, it is, uh, like I said, it's a little dry. The first 40 minutes is essentially the love story. And the way he filmed, the way that um, director um, films it is that someone would say a line and then the other the response would come about five seconds later. It's almost everything is really measured and really quiet and really dry. And I could tell, I could feel it's like the audience in the room not really feeling a little bored, I think, until the violence comes out. And, you know, they really shock everyone back up because you have a lot, of, you know, you have a skull smashing. You have uh, someone getting shot in the head with a shotgun. You have um, razor blades slicing people, you know, in the arm and things like that. Um, so... I think it goes back again. I'm not sure why this movie's been hyped a lot and it's been talked up to to the heavens, uh, essentially on among you know geek sites and and you know it's continuing this trend where you know violence is cool. You know, having a film that really goes far to violence is automatically cool, and I don't think so. I think this film is is really brutal. Um, I'm not going to criticize the violence for being gratuitous because I guess being a plot of this nature is necessary. But um, I'm not gonna, you know, praise the film just because it's 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 violent, or you know, this film because it, it it deconstructs the action genre essentially. It it takes a very dry approach to the action genre, um, and just because it de- deconstructs this genre, this crime genre doesn't also doesn't mean automatically good. You have to earn, you know, the film to be good. Um, but with that said, you know, I dug what it was doing. I was with it. I I knew. You know, I kind of like the love story, and then you know, a lot of the, the driving sequences are cool. There's only really two main driving sequences, and they're both very well filmed, um, especially for its low budget. Um, like I said, Gosling is great, so you know, I, I, I was digging it, but I wasn't really loving it. I'm not sure why I wasn't loving it, or I'm not sure why I should love it. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I think it's good, but it's not, you know, wonderful. So you know, you, you know, just like. You know, watching the film is cool, so you have to see it if you want to be hip. Uh, but try to lower your expectations a little bit. You know, a lot of people are saying one of the best films of the year. I'm a little hesitant into calling it that, um, but it is a good film, and I do recommend it if you know if you can brave the violence. Uh, there's nothing, especially you know, you can just you can see a lot of the violence coming, so it's not hard to avoid your to avert your eyes. So. Um, if you're really curious about how good it is, you should watch it. But you know, try and lower that expectations a little bit. I would say. Mm. You know, I was kind of intrigued because it's got two of my favorite actors in it, with um, Albert Brooks and uh, Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. um, both whom I, I tend to really like a lot. Especially Albert Brooks. I love when Albert Brooks is, you know, doing his comic shtick. Oh, the thing is, actually, Albert Brooks, he's not doing comedic role here, yeah, but no. he is great. Yeah, he's great. He's like this no, hard he's, ass. He's, uh, yeah, he's an man. excellent dramatic actor too. Yes. Um, and, and the same for Ron Perlman. I love Ron Perlman in pretty much anything. But the uh, because I've heard so much about the violence here, it's turned me off, and and I haven't had a desire to get out and watch this film. Um, I'm thinking maybe 
you know, later as a rental or something. Um, would you say that I'm, I'm wrong with that? Do you think it's not something that I definitely should try and get out and see in the, in the theaters? If you can still make it, I would say try and watch it. It's, it's hip and, you know, it's really cool and, you know, it's, it's a good film. I would say it's a good film. I can't say it's a bad film because, you know, that would be wrong. Um, so, I, but I, you know, if you're just waiting for, I wouldn't just wait for video. You know, mm-hmm. if you can, I would say catch it because, you know, this type of small film needs the support it, it can get. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not really a film that, because you want to be on a big screen, the, the, the soundtrack and the views of LA, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nice stylized film. You know, I would say try and catch it on a big screen if you can. All right. But you're afraid of violence, of course. Um, I can yeah. understand why it's, you want it's to a wait. Tra- you know, it's a trade-off for me. I can, I can take, you know, extreme violence when it's in the proper context. I much prefer fantasy violence, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I don't, I'm, I'm not keen on watching war films. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, we, I think we've talked about that before, you know. I have, I have a problem with things like Saving Private Ryan. It just messes with my head too much. I think it's somewhere um, in between here. Uh, somewhere between, you know, action, you know, action film violence and, you know, really bloody. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, yeah, I, I love Bad Boys too. You know, that's like that kind of cartoony over the top kind of stuff. Is I'm fine with that. But it's when it gets down into sort of the nitty gritty, you know, uh, cutting fingers off and, and busting kneecaps and, you know, guns in the face. Like we were talking about on the last episode with Let's Go, you know, just all of a sudden it's like boom there it is in your face um sometimes that just rubs me the wrong way and and mm-hmm. it can make me lose interest in wanting to partake in a film you're listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit kongcast.com for more No real comments to cover this week. Of course, you can always find us out there on the interwebs, and our show is on Stitcher. You can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. And we thank them for their support of our little show. Uh, Of course, you can always drop by the website, and I promise to have it updated very very soon um drop by the website leave us some comments leave us some feedback there we'd love to hear from you you can always drop over on itunes and you know leave us a rating or two or five if you like what you hear or if you'd like to see some things done differently see us cover some stuff we haven't covered before and you can also follow us over on twitter we are on uh uh concast uh, twitter.com slash concast to find out updates for the show or you can follow me over at twitter.com slash foxlore and more interesting, though, would be to follow Mr. Ma over at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. And if you're really in a mind to talk to us, you can send us an email directly at eastscreen at gmail.com. And if, you so, if you're so inclined, you could actually record a short little uh, review or a question or a comment, and we might just play it here on the show. Um, so we look forward to any feedback, anyway, any kind of feedback you want to give us. We love hearing from you guys. And it makes our job here that much more fun and interesting. Uh, Kevin, what do you got going on this week other than watching movies? Are you going to be doing any more blogging or do you have any more um, reviews going up? Uh, yeah, I'll be writing the review for uh, Adventures of Tintin, the new Steven Spielberg film. I guess we'll talk about it next week. I'll be writing it for YP Movies. That's at www.ypmovies.com.hk. Click on the English page and find... You know, Tintin, and you will see my review at the end of the week, around Friday, Hong Kong time. Um, I will. I am also working on a blog entry right now about um, the Flowers of War promotional ticket pricing controversy, controversy in uh, in China, and hopefully, I'll also be putting everything I said about love, uh, love is not blind into words uh, for uh, at the end of the week, um, and. I will be writing a review of the film for lovehongkongfilm.com, no, hkfilm.com, I guess. And um, 
also for hopefully for the Taiwanese epic Cedic Bali, but that's that won't be happening for another week or two. All right, you got a busy plate. Yeah, and then of course then vacation in yeah. a week or two. Heading to Japan. Yep. And uh, we're we're hoping to have you know to have you record from Japan if we can work out the yes technicals and the logistics. You can uh, be live on the street in Japan. Woo! Um, but all that's on shows to come. Um, of course, uh, next episode will be episode 91. As Kevin mentioned, we'll be looking probably at the adventures of Tintin and also the latest Hong Kong film, East Meets West. What a name, right? I mean, what kind of stupid person puts East and West in the title of anything? That's just lame, right? Yeah, I know. Totally lame, Paul. What's up? <laughs> so we'll be looking at that, all of that, and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, as lame as it sounds. Wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. That is, um, if we don't see you next week, we can all have a good get together in heaven, right? <laughs> Where I am, here's your hair, Paul. How'd you get my hair? I shaved my head <laughs> nearly, nearly. <laughs>